the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast, I continue my visit with Rick Thomas. As we discuss laziness from a biblical worldview, you can reach out to me and share your thoughts or comments anytime at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Hey, by any chance do you know of any attorneys or aspiring attorneys who seek to make honoring Christ and following His Word the centerpiece of their practice? Or maybe that describes you, an attorney who desires to practice as part of a firm that seeks to honor Christ and display his character to every client. The Brit, Iowa-based law firm, Sigrid, Jones, Lips, and Backey is seeking to hire an attorney for their growing and active practice throughout North Central Iowa. Please reach out to them at 641-843-4451. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns, 623-537-3657. And Simple Turn, their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. Have you ever tried to buy gold and silver and felt like you were talking to a used car salesman? That's because the precious metals industry is like the Wild West. Salesmen can say pretty much anything or make any promise they want without repercussion. But Genesis Gold Group is different. They're a faith-driven Christian precious metals company and believe in educating their customers, not pressuring them for a quick sale. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. Find out why they've earned a 5 out of 5 rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they can help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. Call right now to learn more. 800-239-8132 That's 800-239-8132 On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host Jay Rudolph. I'm joined by Rick Thomas, founder of Life Over Coffee, a ministry that you can find at lifeovercoffee.com. Lots of great resources and materials there, including a column 
that we're going to be taking a look at for much of the focus of the second part of a two-part series here on the topic of laziness from a biblical worldview. This is entitled, Lazy People Aren't Lazy Primarily, But Have a Pleasure Disorder. It's an interesting phrase, a pleasure disorder. And so I guess maybe we start again by just a reminder when we're talking about laziness, we're not just talking about sitting around doing nothing all day long. There's a little bit more depth to it than just that, isn't there, Rick? Yes, there is. I mean, laziness is uh, one piece of fruit uh, that's on the tree. But as uh, Jesus taught us in 645 of Luke, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so there is no disconnect between what we do and our hearts. And so our hearts produce the fruit. And so if a person has the fruit of laziness on their tree, well, then we know that there is a problem with the root system or in this case, there's a problem with the heart. And so you could yell at the person, yell at the child, for example, or yell at the spouse and say, stop being lazy, but that's not the heart of the problem. And so you have to address it at its root. Perhaps they will get up and work for a day or do something to satisfy the person that's yelling at them. But ultimately, they will retreat back to their old paths because their heart hasn't been changed. And so, again, you have to address it, address it at its source uh, in order to remove uh, the patterns that you see in someone's life. Mm, yeah, I like how the scriptures kind of help us to see the problem, but don't just leave us there, as you were just talking about. And I'm in saying that I'm thinking of the Proverbs in particular, and just happened to note how many different Proverbs deal with this idea of laziness. Sluggard is a word used here in the ESV translation for the verse about comparing yourself to the ant, where it says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. The ant is one who doesn't have a bit of laziness in uh, him or her. And so that's pointed out in the scriptures in Proverbs. And then uh, what's interesting, what I wanted to kind of bring up is that there's a, a list that I found here of what the scriptures have to say about lazy people and the things that they do. One is lazy people make excuses. In Proverbs 26, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. That's that's quite the excuse. Uh, Proverbs 18.9 says, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. They waste time. They hate to work. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. That's in Proverbs 21. They're going nowhere. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. And then finally, uh, they often consider themselves wise when they're actually not. Proverbs 26, 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And thanks to a piece that I found at a website 412teens.org for compiling that list. And I'm sure there are several others too, but that was just a list of a handful of verses from Proverbs that do, as I was just saying, where The scriptures point out the problem, the situation to us, but they don't leave us there. Yes, correct. And, you know, what you're describing there, if a person continues to justify or rationalize what they're doing, uh, they're going to be living in a delusional state. They're going to be living in an alternative universe from what reality is. And the danger of rationalizing our sin away is that we will start layering our conscience. God gives us a conscience to signal to us when we are doing right or wrong. Even the unregenerate or the non-Christian has a conscience, as Paul was talking about 
in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And so our conscience is our moral thermostat that helps us to let us know that that is wrong, that is right, and you need to go down the right path. However, if you justify sinful behavior, after a while, you will mute your conscience. It will become dull as you read in Hebrews 3, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As we read in First Timothy 4, 2, that we can sear our conscience with a hot iron. And so there is a danger there of hardening our conscience by making up those excuses uh, that you are reading off there in, uh, in Proverbs. And we need to understand the danger because God does give us a pathway that we can take that doesn't further ensconce us into a delusional state with a hardened conscience to where we become even imperceptible to the things that we're doing because we become so dull of hearing. Mm. And that delusional state uh, may also be referred to as a pleasure disorder if it's allowed to you know, continue on and persist. You have this phrase here that I wanted to have you define and tell us a little bit about pleasure disorder. Yeah, I call it a pleasure disorder. In a tongue-in-cheek way, I'm using the word disorder because our culture loves to create disorders uh, out of the DSM-5-TR, that is the current Bible of the culture, and that's where we find all the disorder language. The pleasure disorder is not in there, a DSM-5, <laughs> and so I'm using that in, in a tongue-in-cheek way. But the real operative word there is pleasure, and that is what you will find going on in the person's heart. Now, a synonym for the word pleasure is idle. This person has an idol of the heart. And that idol is pleasure. And so they worship at the altar of pleasure. That is their thing. That is what they want to do. And so with that operative in the heart, the idol of pleasure, then they begin to create. They begin to think about. They begin to plan. They begin to strategize all the ways that they can seek pleasure, that they can satisfy this idol of the heart. And so again, Yelling at the behavior or clipping the fruit off the tree, uh, it'll just come back in the next season. But understanding that they have a pleasure disorder, uh, which is really, you could say, a worship disorder of the heart, but pleasure actually brings more precision to what's going on in their heart. And so you have to address that pleasure disorder that's going on in the heart. And then if they do walk out or walk down a path of repentance, well, then that fruit will be replaced, uh, not with self-centered work, working to please yourself, but it will be other-centered work to glorify God and to serve humanity. Mm. Which leads to a statement in this article that you wrote that I'm just going to read here and ask you to expand upon that a little bit more. That You write, Paul and Jesus were evident in how they ranked relational priorities, God first, others second, ourselves last. This perspective is a picture of the gospel as well as a gospel imperative. The gospel-centered individual will automatically think about God and others before they think about themselves. And my question, I guess, is, how do we help in that regard? It seems to me that that's one of those things where the individual 
has to make a, a conscious decision to say, I'm going to live by the Spirit here and not keep giving into the flesh. That's something that I, you know, consciously try to do, and it's a struggle for all of us. But can we help the one who, you know, desires to be, live as a gospel-centered individual but is struggling with the me-first attitude? Yeah, and so there would probably be two distinct demographics of people that you're describing. With a Christian, it should be intuitive that we want to love God and love others most of all. We should have this desire to think outside of ourselves. I mean, it's a, a litmus test that should show evidence that we are actually being born again, because if the Spirit of God comes into us, indwells us, illuminates us, then we have other-centered thinking. Now, the other demographic would be the natural man that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 2.14. They do not understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. In the last episode, you were reading from Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, that talks about us being dead in our sins, darkened in our minds. And so the natural person would not even perceive that I should live my life to glorify God and to bless and to serve others. And so what are the questions that you would have to ask if it's not intuitive to a person to love God and love others most of all? Without being judgmental or unkind, we do have to ask ourselves, has that person been born again? Because again, it's native to the Christian to think this way. And then the second demographic that you're speaking of, well, of course, we will always have leanings toward our Adamic selves. And this is where we see the one another's throughout the New Testament. For example, in Hebrews 10, 25, we are to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so we want to encourage people to continue down this righteous path of loving God and loving others most of all. All of us will struggle with that from time to time. We can have seasons of difficulty. We can get in these rough patches. But this is where the body of Christ comes alongside the body of Christ to serve and help us keep doing these things that God has called us to do. And in context of what we're talking about here is loving God and loving others most of all. Mm, yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about misplaced pleasures, and we'll do that in the final segment coming up in just a bit here on the Plum Line. My guest is Rick Thomas. LifeOverCoffee.com is the website that I encourage you to check out. He's the founder of Life Over Coffee, and we're discussing laziness from a biblical worldview on the Plum Line. Thanks for joining me. I do hope that you will reach out and say thanks to the business sponsors that you hear on the Plum Line, and say thanks to my national sponsor reasons for hope as well as they make it possible for the show to air in your area by the way after it's on the radio in your area you can hear it in podcast form it goes up on the podcast and you can check it out at uh, places where you go for podcasts like spotify just put in the plumb line with jay rudolph back to what i was saying though about supporting those businesses and ministries that support the plumb line i'd love to have you reach out to them say thanks utilize their services as well if you can uh, do that or if you have need of whatever service they provide. Stay tuned to The Plumb Line. 
Well, all of you in the Plumline listening family hopefully accept what the scriptures teach. That doesn't mean you have to sleep like the ancient Israelites did, with a rock for a pillow and palm branches or fig leaves for a covering. You can rest in the comfort of my pillow sheets, mattress topper, comforters and blankets, and of course pillows, while dressed in your cozy, comfy my pillow pajamas. And if you call to order right now, you can save up to 80% on many of their fine products by using the Plumline promo code. Just call this number, 800-613-6167, and the promo code will be entered in for you, 800-613-6167. Or simply visit this link, mypillow.com slash plumbline. That's mypillow.com slash plumbline. And don't forget the B at the end of plum, P-L-U-M-B, mypillow.com slash plumbline. When it comes to education for your student, Northwest Christian School believes that trusted truth transforms. With that in mind, they developed their fully online Christian school, NCS Online, for your kindergarten through ninth grade student. NCS Online curriculum has been developed in-house by experienced Christian educators and is infused with a biblical worldview. NCS Online provides a rigorous, affordable, customizable online education in an established Christian community and culture. Visit ncsonline.org to learn more or contact their admissions team at 602-978-5134. Thanks for joining me for The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. My guest, Rick Thomas, founder of Life Over Coffee, website lifeovercoffee.com. We're talking about laziness from a biblical worldview and the fact that laziness is really a me-centered philosophy. And so in the course of that, we've also brought in this discussion about what Rick calls a pleasure disorder. And so I want to ask you a little bit about misplaced pleasures. You give the example of a husband and a wife here in this column that I'm looking at, and we don't uh, have time to get into all of that, but we can talk in somewhat generalities of what it looks like when our what we take pleasure in is misguided or misplaced. That typically then ends up in me-centered and in laziness, too. Yes, and in the column is a, a marriage uh, tension between my friends, Biff and Mabel, and uh, Biff is a lazy fellow. And I say that Biff has misplaced pleasure, which creates a misplaced treasure. And so those words there are really synonyms, his heart and behavior. And so pleasure is what is controlling his heart. Therefore, the treasure is the behavior uh, in his life. And Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know them. And so whatever we treasure, we will be motivated to seek that treasure. So our hearts and our behaviors are tied to each other. I think it's important to also realize in this scenario between my friends, Biff and Mabel, pleasure is not wrong necessarily if the pleasure has the right treasure in view. For example, if we love God and others more than ourselves, and we're serving God and serving others, and I know, Jay, you've had this experience many times. Let's say, for example, that you're out speaking somewhere at a local church. You deliver your message, and someone comes up, and they say, thank you so much. God did this in my life through the message that you just shared, and I'm really focused on this thing that I want to change you're going to experience pleasure from that conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a good pleasure, but that pleasure was born out of your treasure. The thing that you treasure is to be able to glorify God, 
and to encourage others through this sermon. That's the treasure that you have in your mind. And of course, the pleasure that you receive from that work and what you do, uh, that is a good thing. And so pleasure is not wrong if it is a God-centered pleasure. But in Bill's case, the pleasure that he seeks is self-centered rather than other-centered. And so his treasure is totally misguided. He's looking to have his Miller Lite watching football, playing fantasy football, hanging out with the guys. I mean, that's what he treasures, and that's what feeds his pleasure. You, on the other hand, what you treasure is preaching a good, theologically precise sermon with practical application, and then you receive the pleasure of that as someone tells you uh, what God has done in their hearts. And so we don't want to kick pleasure to the curb as though it's wrong, but we have to make sure that it's God-centered pleasure that we are seeking, not self-centered. Yeah. And this combination here, I guess we could say the pleasure disorder and the treasure disorder— leads to the problem that Jesus pointed out in Matthew 6, where he talked about, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's something we really need to get straight here and uh, prioritize is that, as we talked about in the first edition, having that time of, of rest and things, and maybe a time to play a video game or watch a football game or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that's the focus or the real pleasure that we seek in life comes from that, that's where we get into some problem. Correct. If that is the treasure, yeah, you could use uh, any behavior and it can lead to two different places. And so, you know, you spent this past weekend hanging out with the kids, watching a game, doing your taxes because your plans were, you made your plans, but God ordered your steps through the weather, the climate. But what you treasured is is not to heap selfishness upon selfishness. Things that you treasure is helping people. Uh, God just diverted you this past weekend to helping people that you did not anticipate in a way that you did not plan. That was your treasure, and there's much pleasure to receive from that. There's no guilt that we should experience because, again, the motive of our heart is to do well. Now, another person could watch a ball game for selfish reasons. They're trying to kill time. They're trying to avoid responsibility. And, again, that is a pleasure disorder that leads to all of these ungodly treasures. So two different people could watch the same game. One could be experiencing biblical rest because they work so hard serving others. And the other, this is just a pattern of life. They go from game to game to game, and they're really not serving anybody other than themselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is something that we kind of talked a little bit about already, but I wanted to bring it up again, I guess, in that as followers of Christ, too, the world is always watching to see, do they actually live any differently than I do? And so a lazy Christian is just really a a poor witness, isn't it? It really is. And, uh, you know, we hear that statement. You've heard it. You know, if that is Christianity, then I don't want anything to do with it. And so we have to recognize that, that we are an example that people are observing. Again, our motivation is not to please them or to perform. It's not performative. 
but we are just going about doing our daily business. As a matter of fact, we don't have those people in view necessarily. It's just instinctual within us to go and be doing. And it doesn't matter where we are, whether we're grocery shopping or working at our jobs or hanging out with the guys. It doesn't matter. We are always thinking about other people and we just don't have this self-awareness the way the lazy person does. Yeah, exactly. Well, just a couple minutes left in the broadcast here, and as I typically like to do, and we've kind of gone over this a few times before, but maybe there's something we missed that you really wanted to hit, but I, I wanted to give you the opportunity for the closing argument here of what you want to leave the listener with when they think about this subject of laziness from a biblical worldview. Yeah, I would say that the lazy man is not lazy. Uh, it takes work to be lazy. And so it's not that this person can't love God and can't love others. I mean, if you think about Biff in my column here, Biff is a lazy man. But in order to be lazy, he has to be a premeditative thinker. He has to be a multitasker. He has to be a hard worker. It takes work. It takes planning. It takes strategy in order to do the things that a lazy person wants to do. Multitasking of saying no to his kids and saying no to his wife as he makes his way to the refrigerator to nab a Miller Lite while planning his evening in the man cave. And so the problem is not that, and this is the good news for the lazy guy, actually, the problem is not that he can't do good things. The problem is he won't do good things. It's not an organic problem as though he has some kind of physical disability. Now, Bill is a hard-working, lazy man. He works to be lazy. And so all he has to do is to repent. And he can take all of that premeditation, all of that multitasking, all of that hard work, turn it away from himself and focus it on God and others. And so the great news for the lazy man is that he has all the ability of the non-lazy man. It's just focused in the wrong direction, and all he needs to do is repent. Mm, thank you so much for that. I think your uh, comments that the Lord has led you to share here will be a great benefit to many. So thank you so much for your time, Rick. It's been great to visit with you again. You're very welcome, Jay. Rick Thomas, again, the ministry, Life Over Coffee, that he founded. LifeOverCoffee.com is the website. And you can find that column that we've been talking about there at LifeOverCoffee.com as we discuss laziness from a biblical worldview. Thanks to you and the listening audience for tuning in. Greatly blessed when you reach out to me and share any thoughts or comments. Maybe you just want to say hi. I'd love to hear from you. And you can do so when you email me, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.